There's no doubt that small businesses are the foundation of our communities. That's why MasterCard has invested in tools to support small business owners as they grow their business. With MasterCard tools and resources, you can increase sales by shortening checkout time, broadening your customer base, and tapping into new opportunities to increase customer loyalty. So get started. Discover all the ways MasterCard can help guide, grow, and protect your business at mastercard.ca forward slash small business. Entrepreneurs from coast to coast to coast, it's Rick Spence. I'm so excited to let you know that the Startup Women podcast, hosted by Startup Canada's Kayla Isabel, is returning to the Startup Podcast Network in a brand new format that really digs down into the challenges facing Canadian entrepreneurs. Beginning in March 2022, the podcast will air every month and feature a woman-identifying founder as well as an industry topic expert. These stories and voices will connect women entrepreneurs to knowledge, advice, and information that digs deep below the surface to help women entrepreneurs overcome the real barriers they face. We believe you'll find these episodes unique and inspiring. If you do, please share with your friends and business allies. You can hear new episodes every month at startupcan.ca. Under the Listen tab, click on Startup Women Podcast. But also, don't forget about me and my guests as we continue to explore every entrepreneur's personal and business journey. Tune in every Tuesday for a new episode of the Startup Canada Podcast. Welcome to the Startup Canada podcast, where we talk to Canada's most innovative and entrepreneurial leaders and changemakers. I'm your host, Rick Spence, and as a business journalist, editor, and entrepreneur, I've learned what makes Canadian startups special, successful, and scalable. Join me every Tuesday at 10 a.m. ET to hear new stories of Canadian entrepreneurs and learn about the moments that mattered most on their journeys. The Startup Canada podcast is a production of Startup Canada. Don't forget to subscribe to the show wherever you listen to your podcasts. Entrepreneurs from coast to coast to coast, welcome to the Startup Canada podcast. On the show today, we're thrilled to have Joella Hogan. Joella will proudly tell you that she's loving life in the heart of the Yukon. Based in Mayo, a community 400 kilometers north of Whitehorse, Joella Hogan is founder and CEO of the Yukon Soaps Company, where she creates handcrafted soaps, shampoo bars, essential oil blends, salves, lotions, and more. For Joella and those around her, Yukon Soaps Company is about more than soap. It's a hub that connects people and nature. Joella partners with Indigenous beadwork artists and plant knowledge holders, and she includes local youth and elders to gather wild bot botanicals, participate in language classes, and employs them to support her at farmers' markets. Joella is proud to come from a long line of strong and vibrant Indigenous women who were teachers, healers, social advocates, and cultural leaders. Through her work, she's committed to promoting their special talents and elements of rich Indigenous culture. As an active advocate for her First Nation and a dedicated community builder, Joella is a professional heritage worker, and she's think she brings Northern Tushone culture to the forefront of life in the Yukon. Joella, welcome to the Startup Canada podcast. Thank you so much, Rick. This is such an interesting story. I'm dying to get into it, but let's start with you talking about the journey. How did Yukon Soaps Company begin, and how did you become an entrepreneur? Sure, and I'll step back just a sec. Um, Uji Joella Uji Mayo Keiji 
Ine, Don Hogan, Ite, Doug Hogan, Itza, Ellen Rear, Itzin Cho, Ellen Prophet, and Big Maisie. And so in our culture, that's how we introduce ourselves as sharing who we come from and also acknowledging, you know, the land that I come from, which is in central Yukon and at the confluence of two of two big rivers, which um, you know, we believe are also our matriarchs and what we you know, that that's the the knowledge that I bring into my business, I guess, and and who I who I do it for. And so as a professional heritage worker, I was very much about connecting people to land and culture and and reclaiming and revitalizing. But then I guess kind of at the personal level, I wanted to have some kind of side hustle. And so there I was living in Mayo pre-2011 and and using soap, a natural soap that it was on shelves and you know at craft fairs and and that kind of thing and it was just a part of my life it was a household staple and then that business became um up for sale that it had been owned by two different women successively and uh the second owner wanted out and so I thought well this is kind of interesting because I had an interest in well of course I wanted to make money that was the biggest interest but I also you know had an interest in essential oils and natural products and knew that the market was headed that way and so I thought I could I could do this you know I'll probably just be making you know soap on the weekends now and then and once a month and do a cute little craft fair here and there and I really had no idea that once I bought it and kind of embraced it with, I certainly didn't have business teachings at that point, but when I embraced it with like my teachings that I had, the knowledge, my let's figure it out attitude, that it really kind of grew like like pretty quickly. And when I started using, you know, the people around me for advice and feedback and knowledge like that just it it wrapped I mean I say it wrapped me in love I guess in a way but you know that it just created a a better product and and got started to get the word out there and then it's just been this crazy ride ever since then so yeah next year will be 10 years that I've had this business and have been able to to grow it. Yeah, it's a beautiful story. Tell me a little bit about what the business was when you acquired it, when you bought it, and what it is now. Is it bigger in terms of sales numbers, in terms of employees, product lines? What did it look like then and what's it look like now? Yeah, and so I mean, it was definitely like a household staple. I think there was 16 bars, like top secret recipes and a few other products and um, the women were selling at craft fairs and a few shops around Canada are around the Yukon, like cultural centers, museums, gift shops, that kind of thing. And so what I bought, I guess, was, you know, the, the, the recipes, um, the, the website and, you know, the access to those, those shops. And then what it is now is three different soap bar lines about to launch a next, a new one in the next couple months. Um, a men's line, um, yeah, and so many more products, and also a growing huge like uh, Instagram following, you know, and just way more shops across Canada. I think now I'm in 50 shops across Canada, um, and trying to slow down a bit as I scale my business, just trying to you know not go after everything, trying to stay focused a little bit, but. Um, 
I currently employ seven people part-time. My business model is really about supporting people in my community and meeting them where they're at. And there aren't a lot of people looking for full-time work. It's also people like I was that are looking for, um, you know, extra work on the side. And so grandmas who are raising their kids and young women who are going to school and need extra money and people who are really just trying to build their resume through confidence and skills. Like those are the people um, that are, you know, interested in working with me. And those are the people that I want to support. And then what I tell them is like, it's really not about making soap when you work with me that, you know, it's really about trying to become a better person and about being a part of a bigger community and making our community better. And that's, and I think that's why people want to work with me is that they see my vision. And so I get people, you know, just even wanting to volunteer, but I'm like, no, this is a business. And part of my business is employing people in a living wage. That is so, so important to me, especially in the North. Um, And so trying to support people that way and realizing that people come and go as they need me and, and as I need them and, really trying to focus on what skills they're trying to get and what do I need. Did you have a business background prior to getting into the soap company? Because what you just said there is so powerful that when you come to work with me, this isn't just a business and and the the stuff you said. I want you to say that again, simply because I want to hear it again. Um, I think it's what every business should aspire to. So when you join me, you're not just joining a business. Yeah, I'm not sure that I can say it exactly that same way. We might have to listen to the recording, but I guess what it is, is, yeah, when you're not just coming through, it's, it's not just about working for me and making soap. It's about trying to create a better self and a better community. And I guess I'll just add on that what I really try to do is provide op- opportunities for people to also learn our culture, culture and language at the same time. And I am by no means an expert in our culture or our language, but I try to connect people. And so whether we're having conversations about like our genealogy, about issues in our community and how we can do that. And so you're coming together to put stickers on soap, but it's also about having those conversations. And so that's about making our community better, which will in turn make my business better. Right. It's funny because businesses have always been social constructs. Uh, but they never, they never, you know, had a recognized purpose, which meant that they were just part of the society that said, everyone's on their own, we're, you're just here to get paid, and you're just a commodity, and we're just a, a, a stop along your, your road. And uh, you've really uh, cottoned on to the idea, no, business can be so much more than that in terms of the values it upholds and what it does for all of its community, which is the customers and the employees. And, uh, and everyone else that it touches. So that's a, a very cool thing. So now I have to ask you a business question. Um, how big are your retail sales that, through the, the gift shops across Canada versus the, uh, the website? Are you becoming a virtual business? Yeah, well, of course, that was a shift during the pandemic and that I really focused on, um, you know, craft fairs and farmers markets and the wholesale shops and website was was doing okay but I certainly did not put any effort into it I mean not any effort but you know minimal that was not my focus at all um and I actually when the pandemic started I thought okay you know my soap business is going to crash I'll do my other work this is fine and I really had um no idea and so certainly now website is my primary focus um with people shopping all around the world and interesting enough 
um, a lot of U.S. customers, which I think is really interesting. But if I, you know, dig into it, it's really about that connection to the North and that so many people are interested in Canada, in Indigenous people, in Arctic lifestyle. And so, you know, they, by following me on social media and by buying from me, they are connecting to the North in a small way, um, but hopefully learning a lot. Right. But when I think of the history of the Yukon, I mean, I, I, I think uh, most of the people who came up through the Klondike and went up the Klondike River, um, you know, they came from all over the world, but there were certainly a lot more Americans than Canadians there at the time, yeah. 120 years ago or whenever it was. So I, I think the Americans have always felt a connection to the Yukon that they don't necessarily have to Toronto or Calgary or Halifax. Yeah, that's true. I never thought about that. I guess I always thought of it as, you know, if you think of like an elderly couple from Arkansas, they save their whole life for their epic trip to Alaska and they travel up in their RV. And so they're passing through us and our mm. our lands um, as they go through and then they go back and they might not ever be able to return again. That was their trip of a lifetime. And so they may have seen my products on shelves along the way or you know, looked it up afterwards or, or whatever. And so, yeah, it's a small kind of reminder of that epic trip to, and, you know, those memories and yeah, trip of a lifetime, I guess. And, you know, Donald Trump's grandfather, I think had a, had a hotel that engaged uh, yeah, in various yeah. things down in the car cross area at the top of the pass. Yeah. The Chilcot pass, Chilcot pass. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. so, the, yeah. So, so it, I think the Americans think the Yukon is part of that part of them in a way that they don't, think manitoba is for instance so that, that, that that's terrific that you're uh, and yeah. and the name the yukon is so resonant and it's it was very prescient of somebody uh to say let's use the yukon as a as as, as our brand well and so i mean i i take full credit for that but i didn't realize the impact and so when i bought the business it was called the essential soap bar and I, you know, I left the business kind of as is for at least the first year because I needed to learn. I knew nothing about running a business and I truthfully knew nothing about making soap. So I had so much to, to learn. Um, and so when I decided to do a rebrand, um, it just made sense to call it the Yukon Soaps Company because I, you know, I, I joke now, but I was like, I'm going to be Yukon's largest soap company. And of course, I don't know if that I'm the largest. There are other ones and there are more and more every day because the the market for handcrafted soap is huge but I just thought the Yukon is cool people have this fascination and I want to like embrace that and everything that the Yukon is and and stands for and it certainly was you know a good decision that I have if I had picked something more random or even used my name it wouldn't have this same, um, you know, cachet or interest at all. But the Yukon totally, you know, makes big impact. Take the credit. Entrepreneurs always take the blame. So you should take the credit <laughs> on those rare occasions Thank when it's you. handed to you. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it was a, a beautiful idea. Yeah. yeah. I just wanted to go back. There was something that I wanted to say earlier too, though, when we were talking about like employment and that kind of thing. And then it just kind of connects back to, the mining industry, I guess, right, is that where I'm from and why, you know, the Americans came up here was for gold. And so what I try to remind people in my community is that you don't have to make a living from working at the mine. Like, absolutely, I support that if that's your choice, but that you don't have to do that and you don't have to work for government, that you can find and create your own employment that supports our culture and supports our connection to the land. There are 
there are ways to do that. You just need to be innovative and and creative and that those industries don't sustain our culture in the way that they they should. So you still have a gold mine in the in in the region around Mayo. We do. Yeah. It's uh, I think right now it's Canada's largest gold mine. Yeah. Yeah. And it employs a lot of people from our community and we've seen beautiful success stories. But I just think that 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 lifestyle that goes along with that isn't for everybody. And not everybody in our community has those skills and that it employs people from, you know, outside of our territory and our community because the Yukon doesn't have that those labor skills, I guess. Right. Are there any disadvantages with being as being you know, in <clears throat> with running a business, what's becoming an international business outside of a fairly small and remote community in the middle of the Yukon? Absolutely. And the biggest one is shipping. Of course, my only option for shipping right now is Canada Post. And so I joke a lot that they're taking a lot of my my revenue. And I'm grateful to have excellent postal workers in my community because I'm there every day with a lot of deliveries um but certainly because it really is a manufacturing business and as much as i use local products like the plants and um you know berries and and that kind of thing soap is made from oils and i primarily use coconut and olive and shea which of course you know don't come from canada i'm trying to use canola canadian canola oil a lot more and so um secret revealed my new line coming out um, will be primarily canola oil because I wanted to, you know, honor what comes from Canada. But so much of my ingredients come from southern Canada, if not outside of Canada. And so I'm having to import, transport those goods to the small northern community, make the product and turn around and sell primarily outside of the Yukon. And in some ways that, in many ways, that is really it's, it's hard on my heart a little bit because I'm all about supporting local, but also logistically, like I just think of the cost of the, the freight of, of shipping it and shipping out. And um, yeah, it's a, it's a struggle sometimes um, because obviously the cost savings are when you can purchase them bulk in large quantities, but that it can be hard sometimes with cash flow and warehouse space and, and that kind of thing. And so certainly that shipping transportation is the biggest issue. And I guess the second one too is just, um, you know, finding that business support that in a small town, finding like-minded people who can support you in growing and building a business has been um, a challenge sometimes. So I'm so grateful for, you know, online communities that I'm a part of that are able to, to provide that, you know, mentorship, support, guidance, ear when I need it. Joella, your suppliers are gathers, gatherers and harvesters and indigenous artists and knowledge keepers. Um, I love the meaning of all those words and, and how important they are uh, in your culture. Just wondering how you've uh, uh, made connections and how, you, uh, and, and, and how you've nurtured all these relationships in order to build the Yukon Soaps Company. Yeah, well, I mean, I guess being out on the land is just something that we do naturally. We do it for our survival. We do it for our spirituality. We do it to uh, recharge and reconnect. And so it was always something that has been a part of my life since I was a little girl. And of course, those are the people that I surround myself with. So whether it's picking berries or grouse hunting or, or fishing, we just spend so much time on, on the land. Um, 
everybody in some small way um, and or a big way. And that's just how we we maintain our culture. And so when I started including more of those ingredients and the people in there was really interesting um, for so many reasons. I mean, I think about, you know, the spiritual act of cleansing and bathing and that by you know, people picking rose petals and Labrador tea with their hands on the land with a peaceful mind. And then that becomes a part of, you know, your your morning ritual, whether it's a quick shower or a long bath, right? But that love, goodness, energy from the land is going into that product. So there's kind of that like beautiful aesthetic part. Um, but then the part that is always in my head is, you know, we're also taught that our plants and medicines and that kind of thing isn't for sale and so what does that look like in a modern economy and how do we do that in a good way and so those are a lot of the conversations that I have with elders and mentors in my community is is balancing that out because I don't ever want to create a product that uses an ingredient that I might um, you know over harvest so I'm very aware about where people are picking, how they're picking. And a lot of the information that I provide, um, I guess, you know, when somebody says, oh, I'd love to go pick rose hips for you. Then I talk to them about like my cultural protocols and harvesting in a respectful way. Um, but that is so, so important to me. And can we just explore that a little bit? Um, so you say that, you know, these ingredients are not for sale. So I'm presuming this is part of the culture that says, hey, this belongs to everybody. So that even though you have a company that's exporting uh, products all over the place, you know, you still need to have just a fair share. Is that the thinking here? Yeah, a little bit. I mean, I think what it goes back to is once you put a financial number on a rose petal or um, you know, a berry, it totally changes our relationship with that, that plant um, and, and the land, you know, we've seen that with industry so many times. And so we never want to do that. And so trying to think about it in a different, in a different way, I guess, right. And that, yeah, our economy looks different now. Um, and so really trying to use the teachings those foundational teachings um, that were given in our relationship with the land to do that. And so, um, yeah, it's just a different way of doing that, but it's also a different way. What I struggle with is how to add that value, which is the huge, huge value to my products. How do I turn that into a price per bar? Um, because really it's invaluable, um, but I need to compensate and I need to, to um, yeah, that needs to be a part of my cost of goods, right? right? Yeah. Did you grow up in, in among these traditions? Were these traditions alive or are they just rituals now or is it still very much a, a, a way of life and, 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 and belief in, in the Mayo area of the Yukon? Well, I think, you know, I grew up in Whitehorse, but certainly surrounded by people who lived the culture um, I think Canadians are way more aware these days about um, the systems that were in place for, you know, to to wipe out our culture. But, you know, in the Yukon, I think um, that we did have residential schools and churches and government that tried to 
you know, disconnect us from the land. Mm -hmm. But there were people that saved those cultures and traditions. And I was so, so lucky to be able to have time with so many of those people. And so when I moved to my grandmother's community in 2003, there were still a lot of those old elders who, um, who lived there and who wanted to share. And, you know, they talked about how important it was that I learned those teachings and I use those in my life. And so, you know, in our Northern Toshone culture, they talk about these four core values of sharing, caring, teaching, and respect. And so I really try to put those four teachings in my business. But of course, that's how I try to conduct myself too, because they talk about how, you know, to to be a good Northern Toshone person, this is what you need to do. And so I was given those teachings. And so when you're given that kind of teachings and knowledge, you also have a responsibility to pass it on. And that's what I try to do with my team. Like you can't keep that knowledge and teachings for yourself. You have to share that with other people from your community. So you're kind of like a, a steward of that knowledge and a caretaker for our culture. That's a beautiful thing. So I got to ask you, just going back to the business side of things, um, a bar of soap from you costs eight fifty, and I guess that's before sh- shipping. And I guess a bar of jerkins mm-hmm. costs a buck. Um, I'm, I'm. Oh, I don't know because I don't <laughs> buy jerkins. <laughs> I don't either, which is why I'm not even sure what the price point is. It used to be like four for okay. a dollar the last time I bought them, and that was a long time I know, ago. Yeah. Um. I mean, it, 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 it. I'm wondering. What, what what is your product strategy? What 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 is the thinking behind the the value added soaps, the, the, the with the the oils and everything mm-hmm. that you sell for a guy who thinks who grew up thinking soap was just another commodity on sale at the supermarket? Oh, totally. I know, and I actually this is so. My dad recently passed away, and he was very much like a zest Irish Spring user. As much as he was my number one fan and like business supporter he could not believe that people were buying my soap for eight dollars and fifty cents he's like people are nuts people are nuts um you know who who does that right but what is interesting is if you look at my quote-unquote competitors across canada so other natural soap makers and even other indigenous soap makers mine is the lowest price and yet it should be the most expensive because of where i'm located right and adding the cost of shipping but And my heart is that I believe that Northerners deserve access to safe and natural soap as well. And that I am not out here to market to Southern Canada, you know, quote unquote hipsters or that kind of stuff. My first market is Northerners. And so I really try to put that in my business plan um, and how I market. And so really making sure that people in my community, so whether that's through donations discounts, um, you know, and just making it accessible in little stores throughout the Yukon, because that's really my priority. Um, But obviously, I'm a business and I need to make sure that I make money and recover a lot of those costs too. And so part of that is by having other product lines that are that might be of more interest to other markets outside of the Yukon too. So, I mean, I, I say that with full respect for people outside of the Yukon too, because everybody deserves access to good, to good now. Um, and there's, there's an interest there. And so by having different product lines that are, you know, incredible and honor our culture, like the beadwork ones, um, that were mentioned earlier, you know, just trying to find soaps that access 
that are accessible to people and and meet the needs and values, I guess. So it's not just a a, a gift market. It's not just a high end um, gift market. It's it, it's very much this is soap you expect people to use every day and make it part of their lifestyle. Yes, exactly. But what I'm trying to do is also capture that other market, the gifting market, because that is a huge a huge market too. And people, especially these days, like people really want to support indigenous northern business and so i'm trying to create more more products um that align with that too so have a have a full different range of products that are different price points and so it's not like when i talk about creating a a different soap line with a different price but i'm not just jacking up the price i'm using different ingredients different ethics like different packaging and that kind of thing to make it a whole other our product line it's not just you inflating the prices i guess i wanted to and, clarify that and yeah. I, I have to encourage uh listeners to to, to check out yukonsoaps.com simply because the products are so beautiful especially the indigenous artisans soap bars with the the intricate beadwork and everything the colors uh the textures of your products are just beautiful and um Maybe you have you have family members whose birthdays are coming up and you want to order some, but just go take a look. I'm not telling you to buy it, but just check it out because uh, uh, the products are beautiful and, and you can just see that they're the product of people who really care and are really trying to do, do something special. Thank you. And I know that people are always so proud and I think this is one of the things. So whether it's the Indigenous artist whose work that I feature on that beadwork soap line um, so it's images. So I print, I take an image of their beadwork and I print it on dissolvable paper and embed it into there. So whether it's those artists or whether it's the people who are harvesting the raw ingredients me or whether it's, you know, the women who come to me in the evening when they need a break from their kids and home life and they come and put stickers. Everyone is so proud to be a part of this, um, to be a part of this little business in our community. And that, that really means a lot to be a part of a movement that people feel happy about, they feel connected to. And that's really what I try to do, that it's not, you know, Joella's soap business. It's really, you know, Mayo's, Mayo's Earth Connecting Language Learning Hub is what I really try to be. And when you say language learning, what does that mean? Oh, that I really try to encourage us learning our Northern Tashoni language. And so whether that's you know, labels on our raw ingredients that have the English name, um, you know, Labrador tea, but it also says Tsago, which is what it is in Northern Toshone. And so listening to recordings, listening to music in our language, trying to get that back into our, our DNA. And it's certainly an area where we need more work. But when I was doing language work, it's certainly my generation feels like we don't have the opportunity to learn it. And so I want people to be learning while we work and we do it together. Can I ask, uh, the, the, the Toshone language in particular, um, has that been endangered? Were some people concerned that it might die out entirely? Um, yeah, absolutely. There's very few speakers. I think it's beautiful you're bringing it back. Yeah, yeah. And that's why I try to um, include it in labels and packaging and social media um, and try and do it because one of the early teachings that I had was that if you don't use it, we lose it. You know, you can't just have recordings of it sitting in a shelf. You can't just have a dictionary. You need to be using it. And I know I don't practice near as much as I should. And so I really need to walk the talk. Um, and so I just feel like it's easier if we try and do it together. But certainly, I don't know what the numbers are, but there's three communities in central Yukon that are northern Toshone and they all have different dialects. 
but we had very, very few speakers and very few people that um, still know it. Yeah. And to, you know, anthropologists and to anyone who cares about the history of the earth, a language is like a, a, an endangered species. And, and if it dies out, then we lose so much history, so much culture, so much of the unique uh, uh, philosophy and, 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 and hard knocks learning of the people who spoke that language. Uh, it, it, it's, it's a tremendous loss to humanity to lose a language. So it's, it's, mm -hmm. it's, it's uh, great that you're, that you're doing that work and, 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 re and rekindling that entire spirit. So that's beautiful. Do you think business, um, is, is this a legitimate role for business to be, uh, upholding traditions and culture and language, or is this just a nice to have? Uh, absolutely. I think it's the way to do it, but is it for everybody? Will everybody be able to make it happen? No. And is it, so, like I sometimes I think if I had a construction business and I tried to run it with these same values, would it be the same business model? Would it, my construction business be more successful if I embraced it with my language and culture and that kind of thing. And of course, I don't know the answer, but I would like to think that if you hold those core values, you know, close to your heart and conduct yourself as a good Northern Toshone person, that your business overall would be better. You can't, in my mind, and in, in at least in my, you know, industry sector, you can't just focus on the bottom line to be successful. You have to think of all of those other things. Right. And, and I'll bet that in other businesses, such as construction or even mining, there are things that uh, your culture knows much more about solutions that work in your region than Home Depot knows. Right. So, yeah. Yes. So, absolutely. So, so to be able to 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 understand the culture and understand the environment and and the landscape the the land that you're on, and and to work in harmony with that, I think that's got to work for just about every type of business, um, to 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 make sure that w what they're building is sustainable in that place for those people, at this time. Absolutely, and I think part, um, you know, just. That's a perfect segue into that right now I'm actually building a building in my community so that I can scale production because it's still, you know, in my home and I'm, you know, seven people going in and out of my house to make soap is a lot. So have a building and, you know, super, super proud that I have a Yukon First Nations architect and Yukon First Nation um, contractor and his team building my building downtown in my community. And so huge investment in my community, but also tying those three together is pretty is pretty significant and so how we all yeah how we all conduct ourselves operate think i is you know is 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 huge and hopefully we're starting to create a shift into a way that reflects better you know our our values and and you know in my mind creates an economy that works for more people that we need to be more inclusive of people and create buildings and spaces that also work for people and, and promote individual and community wellness. So obviously connecting others to their indigenous culture is important to you. And I'm just wondering how your work at Yukon Soaps has, has connected you further to the community. I mean, has, has that been a, a, a real journey for you as well, personally? Yeah. And I guess I came at it through my work. So my like, 
educational professional background is in community planning and and development. And I quickly learned that our people are better able to make decisions about, um, you know, land use planning, fish and wildlife management, um, community development when we are grounded in our culture and when we have connection to the land. So I thought, okay, if I'm really going to be proactive here, I need to do that for myself, but also help connect people that way, right? And so in some ways I see my role in the community as a connector and trying to do that, but I always make it very clear. Like I didn't grow up in the community. I am learning, um, but I want to share people and bring share with people and bring people along in that journey and help them find their way because we're all at different places. We all have had different teachers and we've all had people um, you know, maybe they were given up for adoption and they're come back and they're trying to learn. Or maybe they grew up in the community, but their parents went to residential school and have a totally different life and they weren't given those same opportunities. Or maybe they chose not to care. You know, there's so many different reasons that people might not be connected to the culture. And so really coming to the place of no judgment and trying to make those connections because, because, because we need to for future generations and for taking care of our community. Absolutely. Do you see yourself having any influence on your customers? I mean, do you hear back from clients, uh, the, the people who use your soap, particularly I'm thinking in the more Southern markets and are they, you know, are they starting to, to see a bigger picture here? Are they starting to embrace the, the, the culture that you're sharing? I think so, you know, just through my social media and, especially Instagram, every time I share, you know, if I, pair, if I share a picture of a soap, people are like, meh, you know, maybe I'll like it, maybe I won't, whatever. But if I share something about my culture, about the land, about my grandma, about beadwork I'm working on, any of those things, people love it. People are starving to learn about our country and about Indigenous people, and they want knowledge that is authentic, that is presented in a good way, you know, all of those things. And so if I can help provide that, and so I get all kinds of questions around like, how can I find slippers or how do I um, do uh, um, land acknowledgement, you know, all of those things, people will reach out to do that. So it's also being like a resource for, for people. Um, an interesting story, a few weeks, I was flying back to the Yukon. And so on our local airline, Air North and sat in line and somebody came up and is like, oh, you're the soap maker, hey? And I was like, oh yeah, and this happens often. Um, and so I had been a part of a little theater production where I shared my story and, and language learning. And so when people order from me and when I do like workshops or presentations, I give people, I call it like a little cheat sheet that has our language on it. And so it's like the word water is too. So it's just like the words that I commonly use in soap making. And so this guy was like, I still have that on my fridge. And every once in a while, I practice the words, you know, so just little things like that. The guy two years later still has this language card on his fridge. I was like, boom, there it is. That is that 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 that's a very cool story. Um, you mentioned that people have this hunger to learn more about uh, our the, the the Aboriginal traditions of so many communities across North America. Is that part of your product strategy going forward? Are you going to try and 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 give them more of this content? Well, it's funny because I feel like I I don't really I say storytelling is about my branding and marketing strategy, but it's 
it's stories about like indigenous people, about my journey as an entrepreneur, about the North, like trying to really weave it in together. I mean, that's our, our natural role as indigenous people is is storytellers and, and making those connections. And so, you know, I always say it's never about the soap. It's about telling the stories that we want shared and when we're ready and telling people what we, we want them to know when they're ready to learn. Like that's part of our custom too, is that you don't get to know everything right up front. You have to earn that, that knowledge, I guess. Right. And so trying to do it that way too. Well, as someone who, uh, grew up in Canada and learned that uh, our, our our indigenous peoples were sort of a part of the past and that we were all going further into a monocultural, maybe bilingual future French and English. Um, you know, I'm so glad these stories are coming back and I think they have incredible value and I, and I love to see that uh, more and more people are paying attention to that because I think that's a, such an important part of our history and we're all going to learn uh, from that. So it's, uh, again, exciting work you're doing. During a panel on Small Business Week, and we do do our homework here at Startup Canada, there was a panel on women entrepreneurship that you sat on and you talked about the importance of role models in Indigenous entrepreneurship. I'm wondering if you had any role models and and, and, and why they matter. Yeah, I mean, I guess when I said that, I think I was really referring to try s- striving to learn from other people, soak in that knowledge and teachings from others. Like I don't surround myself with other soap makers. In fact, I made a deliberate purpose, like not to follow other soap makers on social media and that kind of thing that I wanted to learn about business and manufacturing and marketing from other people in other industry sectors. And so you know, that's not necessarily like role models per se, but it, it translates into that is like finding people that contribute and help you move your business along, whether they're in the same sector or not. And so if I think of particular people that have been role models in my life, there's people close to me, but also like figures, I guess, right? And so one person close to me in my community is another Northern Toshone woman, Leanne Charlie in the Yukon. And so she looks at you know, self-governance, self-determination in a totally decolonized way. And I just feel like we are so ingrained in like Western ways of knowing and thinking. And so the work that she does is really about pushing you to think in a different way. And that's like a whole other conversation that we don't really have time to dig into, I think. But it's just like, I love conversations with her because she makes me think about our role as modern Indigenous people and doing things in a different way that was breaking stereotypes. So that's huge. Um, The other person, and you said something about it earlier, um, but is Wade Davis, Um, you know, ethnobotanist from British Columbia, has done tons of work around the world with Indigenous people. And he very much talks about the impact that language loss, Indigenous language loss, has on our ecosystem and sustainability and that every time that the there is a direct correlation between our changing landscape and loss of species and loss of languages and that's huge and powerful and so you know reading his stuff and listening to him talk is really you know it's like a sponge trying to to soak it all in and that kind of work so you know I think of those kinds of people as role models, as mentors in challenging the way that I think and, you know, pushing me to, to do things in a different way. Yeah. 
I was at an event in Vancouver many years ago where I was speaking, and so was this other guy named Wade Davis. <laughs> and I had no idea who he was. I was the only person in the room who didn't know who he yeah. was. And, yeah, and he was fascinating. Totally. And, and, and an amazing guy doing such important work. So uh, that, that that's really exciting that uh, that he would be one of your uh, role models. And I think we, I think you're right. We we all need role models. We don't have to know them, but the best is to have some who are local and some who you know and can talk to, and others who can inspire from a distance. Yeah. So Joella Hogan of Yukon Soaps Company. Our last question on the podcast is almost always this one. Do you have one more piece of advice for entrepreneurs that they can take action on immediately uh, to do to improve something in their business? What's your best takeaway piece of advice for our listeners? Absolutely. And it's know your numbers that I started out making soap, wanting to make business. And I focus so much on making the product and being a good soap maker and not enough on the numbers. And thankfully, I've been able to turn that around. But you cannot have a successful business. The point is to make money. You know, as much as I talk about the social goodness, you need to know your bottom line, the cost of goods, what your profit is, all of those different things. And I know to this day, it is not something that I am confident or comfortable talking about. Like when people, you know, potential investors and that kind of thing ask me about my numbers, I know it's something that I need to get more confident of and to know what kinds of questions people will ask, because it's so important. So for when I do mentorship with new businesses or you know little startups and that kind of thing i always talk about knowing your numbers inside and out because that is what will grow all right great way to end it we should have talked a little bit more about numbers when i was growing up i thought business was all about numbers but and you know business is about the stories we tell the marketing we do the value we create for others but it's all about the numbers too so thank you for wrenching us right back into the real world <laughs> But I can, can I can I say a second one too that I talk about? That sure, okay? of course. Well, I guess it's always just about your values and and staying true to that and not following. You know, when the pandemic started, I thought, do I switch to liquid soap? You know, do I switch to hand sanitizer? What do I do? But it's like, no, my business is making soap. I need to stay on my path and keep doing it. I'm not saying you can't ever pivot or change or do whatever, but it's really staying close staying on your own track and your own path and your own know what your purpose is absolutely all right uh two great pieces of advice uh from joella hogan founder and ceo of the yukon soaps company in lovely mayo yukon uh we're going to keep following your story and uh we wish you uh continued good luck good luck with this building uh Someday I'm going to come by and, and see the building. That's a, that, that, that's my promise to you. Cool. Thank wait. you so much, Joella. Thank you so it's much. It's been great talking to you, and we'll talk again. Okay, take good care. Thank you so much for tuning into another episode of the Startup Canada podcast. This show is produced by Lauren Hicks and Maddie Stiles, and it's made possible by the support of MasterCard and Scotiabank. Be sure to tune in every Tuesday for a new episode. Until next week, I'm your host, Rick Spence.